Warning, Crescent City Crime contains violent and explicit content that is not suitable for a younger audience. Some topics may be disturbing or triggering for sensitive listeners. Listen at your own risk. Thank you for listening to Crescent City Crime. If you wish to further support the show, please make sure to like, rate, and review this podcast on your preferred listening platform. We can also be found on YouTube at Crescent City Crime. You can discuss episodes with other listeners in our private Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit our merch store. All of our social media links, show notes, sources, and more can be found in our blog, nolacrimepodcast.com. That's nola, N-O-L-A, crimepodcast.com. We are now on Patreon. On our Patreon, we feature discussions about movies that revolve around crime and offer exclusive merch. If you would like to hear that extra content from us twice a month and access exclusive merch, subscribe to us at patreon.com slash crime. We would appreciate it if you help spread the word about Crescent City Crime. Tell a friend or aggressively scream our podcast name at your enemies. The music used in this episode is The Black Fingerprint, and it was composed by Dylan Owen. Welcome to Crescent City Crime, dear listeners. I'm Tracy. And I'm Brian. And we want to thank everyone who has been subscribing and listening. It's very gratifying to know that there are people who actually want to hear us talk about this stuff. Very, very much so. I appreciate, I really appreciate having an audience. Yeah, we do. And word of mouth is always the biggest thing. So if you know anybody who might be interested in listening to this podcast, please make sure to recommend us to your friends. Please and thank you. So today, you know, Brian, the last couple of episodes have been, you know, depressing, dark. So today we're going to go just a little bit lighter and we're going to talk about a couple of things wherein the people did not die. Yes, yes, that, that's <laughs> a good, go, we're, we're going to the lighter side and even the comic side. Yes. So some people, if you're in New Orleans and if you lived here in 2001, you may recall that two wealthy families the, the Gidrys and the Copelands, who were both business rivals, encountered, let me try that again, encountered each other when they both decided to eat at Morton's Steakhouse. Morton's, who has since closed, was an upscale restaurant on the outskirts of the French Quarter at the foot of Canal Street. So it's right across from the casino. It's in, Can- or it was in Canal Place. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a chain of, it's a national chain of steakhouse uh, restaurants. I'd only heard of them in two ways. One, the the location on Canal Street, along close to the river, practically in the French Quarter, uh, was open for quite quite some time. Years and years. Yeah, and um, a Monday Night Football for a while on the radio broadcast of Western One, they would uh, give away one hundred dollar gift cards to players. They would. Yeah. <laughs> for for, inter- for interviews. There's a comical side note on that. Uh, before they started giving away gift cards to players, it was tough to get sideline interviews after a game. 
So even though many of these players, so they had to bribe them with they had cards. to bribe them, and it, it's so funny. It's like <laughs> at, at minimum, these players will make about say three hundred thousand a year at minimum. Okay, and then you have the ones who make millions a year. Right. Yet they they just love getting free stuff. Well, everybody loves free stuff. I don't think you could find anybody who's going to say I don't want free stuff. So you can get so you can get a player who's on a salary of say twelve million a year. Um, yeah, you give a hundred dollar gift card for a steakhouse, <laughs> and and hey, he's he he'll agree to the interview, and it's probably his excuse to go, you know, to bring the wife there, and he's probably going to run up a tab much higher than a hundred bucks. That's true. Now I I've never been to Morton's. Have you ever been there? Never. So is it on the, I wonder if it was on the pricing scale of Bruce Chris, which I know is pretty expensive to go to as well. Very likely, probably more considering it's in a high, um, it's, they're typically in a high rent location, this by like Canal Street, downtown. Well, also Canal Place, which is where, for those of you who don't know, Canal Place is where there are the upscale stores like Saks Fifth Avenue. We have a Tiffany's. Um, there's also a, a really great movie theater in Canal Place, wherein I believe you can only be 21 or older to go. Yes, adult uh, adults only, and they serve alcohol and they even deliver it to your seat. Yeah, I've not been there. Well, no, we have been to go see a movie at Canal Place before, but not. The it, not in the current incarnation of Canal Place, right? Movie theaters. And w- what currently sits at the Morton Steakhouse is a uh, <laughs> uh, uh, a um, Shake Shack. Are you really? Yeah, Shake Shack. Oh, I was getting them mixed up with Steak and Shake, but yeah, Shake, shake Shack. There's a Shake Shack there. Oh, wow. That does considerable walk-up business. I was going to say, I hope they do enough business to afford the rent in that place. Every every time I've driven by there... That's a prime location. There's several people in there. So it, it's a it's a chance for tourists, for example... To go try Shake Shack? To to um, to get something... When, when they don't want to spend a lot of money on food on Canal Street, they can walk in the Shake Shack... Get something that's reasonably priced compared to other places, and 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 doesn't have as long a wait as the McDonald's on Canal but Street. But do you know what else is on Canal Street that I'd much rather go get? Popeye's chicken. Popeye's chicken. That's right. Of course, yeah. So, all right. So back back to the story. So the now Al Copeland, as we just mentioned, Popeye's chicken on this podcast, and we previously talked about Al Copeland on a different episode of this podcast. He, of course, founded the Popeye's Chicken Chain as well as many other restaurants. So, you know, you have Copeland's most notably. Copeland's most notably. And so you have Al Copeland. And then you have Robert Guidry, who was a casino owner. The backstory on the feud between these two men is that they had been rivals since 1993 when they competed for a riverbed, sorry, a riverboat casino license. Gidry bribed former governor Edwin Edwards, who, by the way, yes, we have or we have a big episode about Edwin Edwards planned for some time in the future. So don't you worry about that. 
So he bribed the former governor, Edwin Edwards, for the license. And in fact, Guidry even testified to this in court during a gambling corruption trial. Robert Guidry pleaded guilty and received five years of probation. I believe part of the deal was he testified against Edward Edwards. Well, probably so. I mean, that, that was a federal crime, right? Well, it was a federal trial. Yes, it, and I, I'm pretty sure it, it literally involved, and this was Edward Edwards' preference, it literally involved cash in a brown paper bag. Well, I do know, and this is a rumor that I've heard, so I don't actually know this for fact, but I know that if you wanted to bribe Edwin Edwards, you would go have a, quote, poker game with him, and there would be just money lying on a table, and it would be something like, you're going to lose a million dollars today, and that million dollar bribe would go to Edwards, but really it was just losing money at poker, at least that was the cover story. Yeah, but it would it would always come in a you know a discreet brown paper bag. But a billion dollars in a brown paper bag that's got to be a heavy brown bag. Oh, uh, well, an old Schwegman's bag maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. All right. Well, at some point Al Copeland filed suit against Robert Guidry, and the suit argued that the casino license should not be awarded to Guidry because it was obtained by corrupt means. And this lawsuit was going on at that time. We need to set the stage a little bit. On the day of the fight, Al Copeland and his pregnant wife, so I will stress his wife was pregnant. Okay, uh, her, yep. name, her name was Jennifer, and they were celebrating their first wedding anniversary. Robert Guidry and his sons Shane and Chad were also at Mortonstein's dinner. During the meal, the families traded verbal verbal blows at each other, and then it escalated to a fist fight in the middle of the restaurant. So just imagine, you're sitting there in this nice steakhouse, yeah. you know, and maybe you're sitting next to one of the family, and you're kind of like, why are they... You're, you're, you're really not expecting trouble no, at such a not. ritzy place. No. You really don't expect the trouble there. But there was trouble. Jennifer was knocked over in the fight, and Al Copeland was punched in the face several times. Of the incident, Al Copeland said that he was surrounded and attacked from all sides. One of the men was holding me as the others were throwing punches. That's three against one, and that's that. That is not fair. I don't like that. No, it 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 it, it wasn't. But before 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 they were able, the two brothers were able to grab him. Uh, he, he was reportedly, he was acquitting himself quite well. Oh, like he was fighting back pretty well. Oh yeah. Well, Co Co Copeland's a tall, was always, has always been a tall, muscular guy. Oh, that's true. He worked out and he trained. Yeah. Yeah. He trained, he trained to fight. So, uh, Copeland, you know, before they got the better of him, uh, he he was, he was giving holding he was, his own. Yeah, he was holding his own pretty okay. much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If if it would have been just him versus Gidry Senior, uh yeah, he would have mopped the floor with Gidry Senior. He might have even won if it would have only been uh Gidry Senior and one of the sons. Maybe. But, uh, but maybe well we, we, Copeland's nobody back in the day, Copeland was no one who you wanted to, to fight with even odds. He he clocked you. Well, since I've never met Al Copeland or even been threatened by the man, I'm just going to take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that night, Jennifer 
and Al Copeland were both kept for observation in the hospital. And I'm going to assume that the pregnancy was not lost because both of them were treated for bruises and lacerations were released from the hospital the next day. And I did want to mention, I don't know if you were with me at the time when we were watching this news broadcast or if I was with my parents, I know I was at somebody's house, but it was the Halloween after this happened. There was a news broadcast where, you know, they, they went to Bourbon Street to go look at the people's Halloween costumes. And there was a guy who was dressed like Al Copeland. He had the, um, like his face was made up to look like he was bruised and he was wearing boxing gloves. <laughs> and I remember just this guy on the news and I, I gotta say, I think it's funny that this person <clears throat> saw what had happened or saw the news report of what had happened. Cause mm -hmm. it was all over the news Yeah, and said, I know what I'm doing for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Witnesses said that Gidry started the physical altercation, even though their attorney tried to pin the blame on Al Copeland. Each of the Gidrys were charged with two counts of battery, which, of course, they didn't really see any jail time for because they're rich. Yeah. The former chicken magnate also sued <clears throat> Gidry for lost profits, but that case was dismissed. Al Copeland never received a casino license, and of course, he died in 2008 from cancer, but what I did not mention about him in the last episode is that he was survived by five five sons, four daughters, a brother, and 13 grandchildren. Wow. So that there's like a Copeland's uh, empire still around, too. I mean, the restaurants are still around, and his family's still alive. So, And I, I know at least one of his sons went into the, into the restaurant business. Yeah, he's uh, he's the, rest, the restaurant still own Copeland's. I'm pretty sure still owned by the family. Yeah. Um, you know, earlier he had, he was, when he, when he over expanded by purchasing churches, or, by purchasing churches, uh, he wound up having to sell both churches and Popeye's. Yeah, he did. And that's, um, at that point, that's when, when, when Popeye's went corporate. That's right. And essentially, and Fun fact, I used to work at Popeye's and their own, now I did, when I worked there, it was not owned by Al Copeland. They had already gone corporate and the company on my payroll check said AFC Enterprises. Yeah. I believe they, that's who still owns, owns Popeye's. I don't think they're going to get rid of Popeye's. And, uh, and churches. Yeah. Well. <sighs> um. <clears throat> If you heard our dog bark, it's all right. She's just being a brat. <sighs> huh. Now, but what's what's worthy of note here is that is that Al Copeland was he put in an above board legal bid for the casino license that was eventually in the treasure chest. You know, it was the Gidrys that had committed the initial crime of bribery to. Um, you try you try to illegally acquire this this license. That's true. Now the Gidry family is also still around, and I did just a little bit of googling on them, and they're still douchebags. They are involved in backing local politicians who are beloved in their Republican districts, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Huh. I know one of the Gidrys owned the junkyard in New Orleans East, fight still. Oh, like a actual junkyard? Yes. 
Well, salvage yard, whatever you want to call it. You can make fun, but that's actually a good business to have. Yeah. It's just you, not. You can make money in salvage. The proprietors are not always uh, upstanding people. That is also true. And uh, yeah, that, that's true. I've not really heard anything, at least in our local media, about um, salvage yard owners who are shady, but. This is New Orleans. They're shady no matter what. That, yep. Now, the second thing we're going to talk about, and I was, you know what I was thinking about, Brian, when I was actually typing this up is, um, you know, Friday Night Lights, Buddy Garrity. Mm-hmm. Ronnie Lamarck is kind of like our Buddy Garrity in New Orleans. Quite true, yeah. And... In a lot of the towns, I mean, this is a city, yes, there are several car dealerships in my neck of the woods. But if you go out further into these smaller towns, typically the richest guy in town is going to be the guy who owns the one auto dealership. Yes. In that town. Oh, yes. Now, Ronnie Lamarck, who owns Lamarck Ford dealerships, he is recognizable to many people throughout the Gulf South. He is a native of Araby, Louisiana, which is in St. Bernard Parish, which is where my origin story comes from. As a young man, his first passion was music. He was a vocalist for the Nobles, and he was inducted into the Louisiana Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Did you know that? No. Yeah. Well, he, he does like to sing. Yes, he does like to sing. He sings on his commercials. Yeah. 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 But he's in the Louisiana Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is really cool. Now, after his musical career, just... You know, went nowhere. In 1970, he established himself as a car king, and he became the founder and president of Lamarck Motor Company. He has car dealerships in New Orleans and Mobile, Alabama. At some point, he met he met and married a woman named Carmela. They were married for many years until Ronnie he met someone else. And in 1994, he decided that he wanted a divorce. Instead of taking the divorce quietly, Carmela decided that she wanted Ronnie dead. <laughs> she paid her cousin, Joseph Grigo, $20,000 to seek out a hitman. So this is $20,000 that she gave to her cousin. It's not clear if this was supposed to be something she just paid her cousin to do, like he was able to keep the whole 20000 or if part of that money was supposed to go to a hitman. Okay, I'm thinking along the lines of how that stuff works. Pretty much, uh, he 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 gets to keep whatever amount of that twenty thousand. He does not pay the hitman or or spend on expenses. Okay, like like uh, purchasing a a stolen gun from from off the streets and some ammunition for the job. That 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 type of deal and. Finding someone uh, to carry out the job. Right, right. But twenty thousand dollars. That um, that seems a little low for a hitman. You're not you're not going to get a professional hitman for twenty thousand dollars, and then you have to know how to actually find one of these people. It's it really isn't easy if you're not well connected to that to the underworld. It, yes, and this is back in 1994. This was really before we had internet in every home these days it might be a little bit easier not that i've ever looked 
But I would imagine it's easier to find it now than it was back then on the internet. Now, of uh, of some note here, okay, mm-hmm. which is, uh, this is obviously infuriating to to a wife, to a, any any spouse. Uh, the girl he was having relations with, either she was this girl was one of them, or it was the one that uh, provoked this response from his wife. It was one of the girls who sells drinks on the golf course uh, at City Park at the time. Did you know who it was? Uh, I I knew her by name. Yes. Don't don't name names, but no. Yeah, okay. And because of working details with the NOPD Reserve at, at um, certain events that took place in City Park, which are numerous, uh, it's one of those deals to where they, they 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 grab as much of the Reserve Division as they can to you know you know put you out there for the event. Uh, for your volunteer time, and the uh, in in the golf clubhouse restaurant, uh, more than a couple of times when I'd go in there to get something during an event, I'd hear talk just just idle talk about yeah yeah Ronnie's uh, that's the girl Ronnie's banging. Oh no! Um, oh, and she was like all of uh, nineteen years old. <gasps> No, yes, I didn't realize yes. she was so young. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that 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 that. Take advantage wow. of a young girl who's uh, financially needy. Yeah. Uh, a, a sugar, not only a sugar daddy, but a sugar daddy who's married. You know, all disgusting. Yes. Of, of course. Yes. <clears throat> so, the hit band that the cousin thought that he had found was actually a police informant. The police informant told law enforcement of the murder plot. <clears throat> that ha- that happens a lot. It does. But you, <clears throat> but you told me when we were talking about this the other day, you mentioned something very specific that the police... Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Department. Okay, Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Department went and told the, his wife what? Well, they, they did this little, they did this little setup. Um, with Roddy Lamarck's permission, they took his Ford Taurus uh, sedan and they bloodied it up, made it look like someone was murdered there. Wow. And they told her that they, they found it and needed her to come out. And identify it? And identify, uh, that they believed it was his car and needed her to come out and identify it. Mm. And it was part of the part of the sting that was set up. Oh, okay. Is that that's how she got arrested? Yes. Yeah. That 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 led to it, and and they got her to, of course, meet with. They got her to meet with the guy personally, who was the informant to, um, to finalize the financial arrangements. Okay. So apparent, apparently there was more involved than just just the twenty thousand dollars, but you know, in a murder for hire plot, when the person hired is actually a confidential informant mm-hmm. who loves to get brownie points from law enforcement. Okay. Um. Then they'll 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 set this up and they'll get the person to meet wearing a wire, and basically right. the, the the person who hired who hired him to commit the murder is. It's gonna conf- gonna confess. Okay. Uh, right. Ba- basic, basically confess, and then they got you, and you might as well just hang it up. Just uh, lawyer up. Ble- well, lawyer, 
yet you got to lawyer up and you want to wind up pleading out mm. and trying to get the, uh, the the lowest sentence you possibly can and bring out your friends and family to testify at your sentencing hearing right to for leniency well okay well well the arrest was also a family affair because not only was Carmela arrested so was her cousin and her sister Gloria Pazlitt. In the end, Carmela Lamarck reached an agreement with prosecutors to give her a suspended sentence and spent time in a psychiatric hospital until she was deemed fit to return to society. It is not clear how long she spent in the psychiatric facility, but she was on probation for five years after being released. Oh, yeah, super, supervised release. If, if it's a suspended sentence, there's, there's going to be a minimum, no matter what the suspended sentence is. A minimum five years of supervised release, during which, like the first year, you report in person to probation officer uh, at least once a month. The first month it's once a week, and after that it's once a month. Right. And then the the remaining four years, you mail in your monthly your monthly reports. Right. To to the probation officer, and of course, if you violate this, if you do something that violates this, you have to go before a hearing. And then it's up to the judge as to whether or not you, you're considered to be in violation. If you're in violation, well, let's say you've done four years of supervised release, you're in violation. You can still do all five years in, in a jail. Yes, you can, if and, you're not careful. Which would realistically be, all, if it's a federal crime, for likely three and a half years, because uh, for every five years, like one and a half years, good time. Well, the cousin Joseph Grigo, uh, he pled guilty, and it, it is unclear how much time he served, but he was out of prison eventually, and in 2011, his house was robbed. And that doesn't have any connection to what this is about, but when I was looking up information for this, I came across an article about that. Like, huh, his house was robbed. Very likely by a former business associate who was looking for cash and drugs. You might not be wrong there. Then the sister Gloria T Gloria Tazlitt pleaded guilty to being an accessory after the fact, and she got a three-year suspended sentence. Which is that the same thing as probation? Oh, it is. It okay. Is. Okay, so she also was on probation. Now, throughout the court proceedings, Carmela Lamarck didn't speak in court at all. She did not give a statement to the press, and Ronnie Lamarck claimed that he, he had been the target of threats. In a letter to the judge, Lamarck said his wife, quote, as recently as late November and early December, and quite possibly since then. He has told acquaintances and others that she regrets not having killed me herself because the person she hired for that task botched the job. She has also told another individual that if I continue to live in the family home, she will burn the house down, end quote. It looks like she didn't uh, get, didn't really get the treatment that she needed. No, but hopefully she did in the psychiatric hospital. I do hope that she found some sort of peace with her life, at least. Somewhat her likely needs uh, continuing Continuing treatment, uh, medication. Yeah, one, one, which, once a week appointments with a with a psychiatrist. Uh, well, hopefully, hopefully she was able to afford it. 
Yes, ho- hopefully. Because I couldn't find anything else about her since. So I'm going to assume that she's living quietly. Yeah, she uh, she really messed it up. She she could have she could have filed for divorce and really taken him to the cleaners. Really taken him to the cleaners because of the affair. She could have hired a, a private investigator as yes, well, or or, yes. or had her or perhaps uh, the lawyer would have had a private investigator that he regularly uses. Mm-hmm. And could have gotten the goods on him, and that yeah, that seems like a much better solution. I mean, personally, if I were in that situation, I'd want the money, and and I would want to publicly humiliate my husband. I wouldn't want to kill him. I'd want to publicly humiliate. Now, it's also of note involving regarding Ronnie Lamarck and City Park Golf. Uh, Lamarck Ford at the time was a was a big sponsor of City Park Golf and, you know, tournaments that would go on there. And he was, uh, he was, he, he regularly golfed at City Park Golf, even though, of course, he could have gone to English Turn if he wanted to, gone to more exclusive places. And the, uh, I'll also note the, the manager of City Park Golf, uh, as well as the assistant manager of City Park Golf, which are two big positions in City Park, uh, were, Receiving program cars, the use oh. the use of, of Ford program cars. Right. As I noticed, that uh, like at the time, it was a uh, Ronnie Benandi was the uh, administrator of City Park Golf, and when and every event I worked at City Park Golf when he was there, I'd see him drive up in a Ford Taurus. The same Ford Taurus or different ones? Uh, the the same one. Okay. So he. So, so that was part of that was part of the advertising arrangement, I assume. Program cars for the administrator of City Park Golf and the assistant administrator of City Park Golf, and so Ronnie Lamarck frequented uh, City Park Golf quite a bit. Ah, well, today Ronnie Lamarck is still living his life. He's a pillar of the community. He is ubiquitous. His face is everywhere. He is known for his car rads where he dances and sings. He currently lives with lives with his with his wife Natasha. I'm gonna guess it's his second wife. And he has a French bulldog named Onyx, which is something I found out. Yeah. And and I'm curious how old is his wife? Didn't say. <clears throat> but so hopefully half his age, of course. Hopefully he learned his lesson. About yes, hope, hopefully, hope, he hope, hopefully he did. And hopefully he treats this wife better than he treated Carmella. That's what I hope for. Mm-hmm. So along with that, he also likes to spend as much time as he can with his children and grandchildren. So he, you know, like I said, well, this is pretty much the end. I mean, you know, nobody died. Mm-hmm. And just a little bit of a lighter side. And um, Brian, do you have anything else to say before we wrap up? Uh, just that if uh, <laughs> if your if your husband is having extramarital marital affairs, uh, lawyer up. Get and, evidence. And yeah, lawyer up. Get that private investigator. And there's get, also get the goods on him. Clean him out. There's also a lot of ways <clears throat> that you can because you know we we live in the age of electronics, and there are numerous ways that you can 
spy on your spouse's uh, cell phone, on their computer, it, it, all those things, it's very easy to do. So you can't get a private investigator. You can probably pay some money for the software to find out this information for you. Just wanted to, just wanted to put that out there in case anybody needed that tip. Now, next week, we are going to go back to the dark side, sorry to say. And we're going to talk about a love triangle that ended in murder. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. All right, dear listeners, we will talk to you again next week. Be kind to each other and stay safe. And remember, if it's dark, it's dangerous, the wrong side of town, don't be there in the first place. Good night.